0: It's Sean McKiernan, our first guest on the programme today. And, Sean, thanks very much uh, for coming on again. Extraordinary uh, goings-on in British politics this week. Now, it wasn't unexpected that braver Braverman uh, would be sacked... Uh, because of what she had said over the Palestinian marches and several other things as well Uh, but uh, she got uh, her P45 during the week but uh, when Rishi Sunak uh, was making uh, his changes and his reshuffle he uh, dropped the biggest clangor in in politics not alone in Britain but all over the world in a number of years uh, when he brought back former Prime Minister David Cameron. What did you make of it all?
1: Uh, well, there was another former Prime Minister, uh, Harold Macmillan, and when he was asked about what the biggest challenge in politics was, he said, events, dear boy, events. And I suppose you and I, Seamus, had maybe intended to discuss public speaking and give people hints and tips on public I'm speaking, sorry. and, and we, we spoke on Monday morning when these dramatic events were unfolding, and we decided to focus on this item instead. Uh, so, you know, that, that that's that's a, a demonstration of the modern era of, of Macmillan's old adage. And um, Look, it has been dramatic. I think Braverman um, was in her final days. I, I think there's an element of her knowing that. Um, I think a wider context to this is a Supreme Court judgment, which is out in about 40 minutes in, in, in the UK, about whether or not the Rwanda Wra- the project, um, uh, And just for the benefit of your listeners, this is where asylum seekers who aren't successful would be repatriated to Rwanda. That's right, that's right. Um, and um, I suppose, highly controversial plan. A lot of money has been spent on it, something in the region of 140 uh, million sterling already uh, has been spent on it. Um, I suppose
0: first, this is where uh, illegal immigrants would be sent off to Rwanda. It's the daft, just the daftest thing I have ever heard, but uh, that's what they were doing. But I think, I, think,
1: I mean, the Tories, and, and look, the Tories have become, and this is because of Nigel Farage and, and him all the time nibbling uh, nibbling at them on the right, as suppose they have become much stronger and much sterner on these issues and and they would argue that the boat landings that they've become obsessed with have have gone down by thirty percent for the last year. There's other things that are happening there too um, for instance albania is is no longer a country uh, that justifies people claiming asylum that that that's a change uh, and as well as that there's much more cooperation kind of post-Brexit and, and post all of the rhetoric of Brexit, there's now much more practical cooperation between the French and the British. So those are reasons that feed into uh, feed into the change. I suppose it's worth noting, too, uh, it's a challenge for this country. And I mean, you know, you could possibly speculate that since the Rwanda idea has been floated, that it has potentially contributed contributed to, to a rise in numbers here mm. as well. Mm. But as I was Another point I'd make, Seamus, our images of the Tory party are generally not positive. We think of them as toss. We think of them as elitists. We think of them maybe coming from the landed gentry. We think of them as being rabid right-wingers. And I suppose like Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil or even Sinn Féin in this country, it's a big, broad, um, catch-all party, and it has a lot of different wings. And there are people in the Tory party um, with a deep... Sense of social justice and and social conscience, and I suppose a realization that the UK has obligations under international law as well. And a lot of Braverman's rhetoric, whilst this wasn't her idea per se, it started in the Johnson administration. She's become slightly associated with it. But you do wonder today, Supreme Court judgment due, uh, there's a possibility it'll be ruled illegal. Uh, there's also the possibility there might be kind of a fudge outcome where they say, look, it could potentially be legal, but you must satisfy X, Y, and Z conditions that are not currently satisfied. Yeah. But you have to suspect that Braverman is going to try and weaponize the, the result. Uh,
0: She She didn't go quietly, though, uh, Sean. Uh, She came out with a letter yesterday, and it was absolutely vicious stuff, really. Uh, I mean, she accused Rishi Sunak of being weak, and uh, she accused him of all sorts. Uh, And now, uh, I heard somebody saying on the BBC News yesterday, that is Zuela Braverman the last genuine Tory? In the government, was she the last genuine Tory? In other words, that Rishi Sunak is trying to drag them all back into the centre, so that they give him some sort of a chance of beating Labour in the election.
1: Well, I, I, look, I mean, I think I think the centre of the Tory party has shifted uh, to some extent in recent years, and I suppose that that is a challenge in trying to discern um, what they're up to. But I, I, I think the tone of that letter, as you indicated already, Seamus was very vicious. It was extremely personal. I think um, it has shocked a lot of Tory MPs. And um, this is one thing that's worth bearing in mind. People say that she's maybe trying to emulate Boris Johnson, who was a thorn in Theresa May's side post his resignation as foreign secretary. But there's also a famous phrase that he who wields the dagger shall not wear the crown. And I mean, right, okay. was, in a lot of cases it was Johnson's allies who were who were causing the problems and making the pronouncements, not necessarily him, so that he could be seen to be clean and above the fray. And I think there's a danger here for Suella Braverman that she might actually be over-egging the omelette. There will be an opportunity for, for her to address the House. And this was my fear for her insofar as she's unlikely to ask my advice. But if I was advising her, I'd be telling her maybe maybe to tone down the rhetoric, that if it yeah. escalates it again further in the House, she could
0: actually find uh, she could actually find she hasn't as many supporters as she might like to think. Yeah, but, but uh, is there not a long... Uh, could she be playing the long game here in that uh, everybody is expecting Labour to romp home in the next election uh, and that if that happens and uh, the Conservatives take a big beating, that Rishi Sunak will be out on his ear and she'll be a, lead, a, a leading contender to replace him?
1: possibly but i mean i think if she has been seen as a leading force in, in 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 promoting and maintaining civil war in the tory party in this vital final year this is not just about rishi sunak's uh, re-election as prime minister although obviously that's what he wants it's about the continued existence of the tory party to some extent um labor have a 20 point lead okay there there is uncertainty about Kier Starmer's favourability ratings, and I think there's not much there for Sunak, and he sees that there's potential there, uh, you know, uh, to fight back, and I I think he sees that. Um, Good news on the inflation front. I mean, inflation is probably still too high by modern standards um, of the last twenty years, but inflation is well down in the UK today, and Jeremy Hunt very enthusiastically welcoming that. So I I, I think there's a challenge here for the Tory party in terms of its survival. And and the point I'm making, and I want to reaffirm, is that Braverman has to walk a very tight line here in terms of being seen as an alternative, but at the same time not wrecking Tory unity. And I think the Tory party, uh, I suppose it's up there with Fianna Fáil in terms of being a party of power and being a long-term party of power. And uh, it has a great capacity to renew itself and reform itself and indeed to cast out people who are not useful and um, I think that's the challenge for Svella Braverman that she might be showing her alternative credentials but at the same time she can't be seen to be causing outright mayhem either.
0: Now, uh, and finally then, uh, David Cameron, who apparently was rattling around at home, uh, uh, clicking his fingers, uh, is delighted to be back, I'm sure, but will be uh, remembered as probably a very, very good Prime Minister who made one of the biggest political mistakes that anybody has ever made uh, when he, uh, you know, uh, proffered uh, the Brexit vote to try and, uh, you know, keep the UK, UK happy. And he paid a huge price for it.
1: Yeah, again, Farage and UKIP were nibbling, uh, nibbling at the Tories and caused a lot of harm in local and European elections. And I suppose to some extent, um, uh, Cameron was afraid of them. I mean, there's parallels with the way the way Trump uh, kind of executed a reverse takeover of, of the Republican Party. Um, so and I, I think Cameron too, Cameron's an excellent communicator, probably one of the best communi- political communicators in recent times maybe not quite as strong as Tony Blair, but certainly mm. up there. And I think to some extent he overestimated his own abilities. Um, and whilst he did seek a renegotiation with the EU, it was never going to be substantive enough to satisfy uh, the Eurosceptics in his own party or the, the, the even the even stronger Eurosceptics outside of his own party. Um, as against that, you know, I, I think there's a lot of pluses to his return. He comes with international standing and gravitas. He comes with a very good... Uh, contact book, and I think there's another consideration here. Rishi Sunak has one year, as I said already, to to kind of rescue his premiership, to rescue the Tory Party from oblivion. Right. And I think by putting in a foreign secretary of such standing and stature that he can almost allow to operate as a as a sole trader, it's incredibly helpful for him. It means he can focus on domestic politics. I think another advantage is Cameron is now kind of a post-political figure, he's not, he's not an MP, he, he's a lord, he doesn't have to serve as a constituency, and I think that also gives him time and energy to focus maybe on, on, on assisting in the general election campaign not necessarily as a spokesperson because he might overshadow Richie Sunak, but in terms of maybe helping out behind the scenes, uh, touring constituency party associations going to dinners and functions and kind of maybe sharing some of the burden mm-hmm. that way.
0: It's very interesting, there's no doubt about it. I don't know who said many years ago, me, you live in interesting times, but anyway, that was a very interesting development this week. I uh, really enjoyed that. That's great. Uh, good analysis there, Sean, as usual. Uh, I know we have to talk about the public speaking. We will hopefully be able to do that next week, which is a very important thing, uh, but for the moment, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you for your time. Sorry about that little interruption earlier on. We've had a few uh, problems with power over here over the last few days, but look at, thanks a million, We'll talk to you soon.
1: No problem, Seamus. Always a pleasure. Thank you
0: very much. Thank you very much. That's Sean
1: McKiernan there.